and welcome back to another episode of The Watch Report with me, Jean-Luc Welch. We're back again. We're up on this Thursday afternoon or night. I can't remember. It's pitch black outside because the whole daylight savings time and all that stuff. The sun's going down quicker. The weather's getting colder. I can't stand it. But you know what I do love? Talking about sports with you all, my fine and beautiful listeners and viewers of this show. And I thank you for tuning in to another episode with me as I divulge and, and give my thoughts and opinions on everything going on in the world of sports today. And we got two big topics to talk about today in the NBA and the NFL. In the NBA, the Lakers seemingly have bounced back from all hopelessness to seemingly salvage their season and turn into a competent team. Why that's the case, I'm going to tell you right now. Can they keep that up? On top of the fact of we're going to touch on the NFL and what the world's going on with Jerry Jones and that whole controversy that he has with a picture of him going around and seemingly showing him upholding the progress of desegregation at a Little Rock High School in 19. 19- in the 1950s, 1954, somewhere around that time, 1950s, to be safe, is when the picture was taken. And I got questions. We need answers. And why aren't we getting them? We're going to talk about all that on the show today. So without further ado, my goodness, let's get right into it. Oh, we're excited. Remember, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and every major podcasting platform, as well as right here on YouTube. So leave a like on the video. It helps out so much. Comment your thoughts and opinions below on whatever you want to say and whatever you want, whatever you feel on the stuff that we talk about today. Subscribe to the channel so you can keep updated on every single episode that we put out. And share, share, share. Come on, we're so close to 100. We just need 20 people to subscribe to get you 100 people. Inevitably, we'll get to 1,000 people. And whoever wants to get to 1,000, ooh, the money's going to be raking in. Oh, yes, we'll be able to put it in to this show to make it better for you, the viewer and the listener as well. So let's jump in right into what's going on with the Los Angeles Lakers today are on a roll, a real roll, a legitimate roll for their NBA for the NBA season. This team is coming up with wins after wins after wins at a point when everything seemed lost for this team. Hopelessness was all we cared about with the Lakers because that's all they encapsulated as a team. LeBron wasn't doing anything. AD was playing sluggish. Russell Westbrook sucked. I jumped on this team, and rightfully so, I jumped on Russell Westbrook, rightfully so. And all the pitfalls that made this team seemingly unsalvageable, unless they made trades. And doggone it, they've all of a sudden showed up a lot of their problems and are racking up wins. It's insane. It is insane. They're 4-10, now they're 8-12 on the year. This team has won six of the last eight, won three in a row. And they they, they they look completely different. They look completely different. They look completely different. Now, before I even get into why they look completely different, let's pump the brakes right now. I ain't no uh, 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 a rider that's just going to harp on this team and say, oh, this season's completely turned around. No, they ain't. No, they are not. This team still has too many questions. This team still is right now on a high. That I, I that is, er, it is early to just say that this team is oh they fixed everything oh this team is gonna be by the All Star break 
top five in the West are legitimate title contenders. No, 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 no. It's, it's too early to say any of that. Too early to say any of that. Let's not get it twisted. This team was one of the worst in the league, legitimately. And these racking of wins of recent days and weeks is not going to change the fact this team was just coming off of being the laughing stock of the league. It is true. That's what they were. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this team is all of a sudden uh, 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 completely different, as in this team is a finals contender. Oh, no. No. I can't even say that they're a legitimate playoff contender. I can say that this keeps up. Hey, they can potentially get a play-in spot. Oh, man. And that's far from what I want. Uh, what I was, what the position I had on them earlier in the year. I was thinking this team was going to be a wash, an absolute wash, a wash. Even with the changes in the culture and the mentality that Darvin Ham was bringing to the team, I thought this team was going to be nothing but a sham, just in an utter circus throughout the entire year. But seemingly they gained some traction. But why is that? Well, first of all, like I said earlier in past episodes, remember what I said about Darvin Ham, this man has changed the culture and mindset of this team to buy into defense that, mind you, was the mentality that won them the championship in 2020 in the bubble, being one of the best defensive teams in the league, not just being a great three-point shooting team. No, it was defense that carried that squad. Fast break opportunities, consistently getting stops, even when your offense isn't working, and then getting easy scores. All of that is what Darvin Ham is bringing back to this team, and it's showing. It legitimately is. Absolutely it is. But it was just the offensive side of the ball never came to fruition. Consistently, what did we see? Oh, this brother just can't score. No matter how many stops they get, they can't score anything. And the defense can only hold out for so long. These ain't the Detroit Pistons of of, of the 2000s. And, and the championship winning Detroit Pistons with Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, and Rasheed Wallace leading the squad. No, this ain't that. This ain't a team holding teams to 75, 76 points a game. Far and away the best uh, opposing uh, uh, points per game per, uh, percentage. Not percentage, excuse me. Opposing points per game out of the entire league. No, this team ain't no, this Lakers team ain't nowhere near that Detroit team. But they are first in defensive rating for the entire league. Legitimately. This is one of the best defensive teams in the league, whether we want to believe it or not. Statistics say that's the case. And when you watch this team, it does show. It does. It shows that this team legitimately is a great defensive squad. They actively hustle. They actively get out on the perimeter. They look to recover instead of just letting stuff go by. More often than not, they'll create turnovers. They have active hands. All these things are legitimately apparent. For real. Regardless of how bad you want to say this team was, that's the one thing you couldn't knock them on. This team was going to come at you and make it hard to score, at the very least. But now, what have they added on? 
And it's not Russell Westbrook, even though he has, and I'm going to touch on him. And he's been finally doing what I've been asking for him to do, buying into his role. But he's not the guy I want to talk about right now. The main guy I want to talk about right now is Anthony Davis. This cat is finally playing like the AD we saw in New Orleans and the AD that won us, that, not us, but that won the Lakers a championship in 2020. This man is, for his average in these last eight games, over 30 points. About two to three blocks a game. And is turned into a monster rebounder. And a disruptor. Like the AD of old. See, this is an Anthony Davis that we were saying was competing with Giannis for who was the best power forward in the league. This is the Anthony Davis that we had said was a top five player in the league. This is the Anthony Davis that everybody was clamoring to get in free agency. You know why the Anthony Davis wasn't there? Because he wasn't hungry and because he was constantly hurt. But what happened? All of a sudden now it seems like he's playing through the pain. He's actively embracing, hey, I need to play like this is my team. I can't play like this is LeBron's team. Because even though it is LeBron's squad in terms of leadership, in terms of production, I have to be that guy. And for the better part of a year and a half, or a year and some change, counting this season, he hasn't been playing like that. Now, granted, injury was a a legitimate factor. Okay, fine. We'll give you that. Even though he's always hurt. Even then, I can't use that. I don't want to use that as a major excuse, but it is a valid excuse nonetheless. Andrew has plagued this brother his entire career. One of the most injury-prone superstars that we've seen in the league. And it's been a problem, a legitimate problem for him in his overall production. But when he does play, what was the problem? He was taking too many perimeter shots, shooting 20-plus percent. From three. And when I say 20 plus, I'm talking about 23 to 25% from three. Maybe even less of coming off of last year. Last year, he was abysmal as both a mid range shooter and a perimeter player. Couldn't hit nothing outside of 10 feet. And even then, wasn't aggressive when he got inside of 10 feet. But guess what's happened now? This whole win streak that we've been seeing the Lakers go on, Anthony Davis has been far and away the best player on the floor. And it's been great. He's been playing like a dominant performer, like a dominant big man. Do you understand that over these last eight games, this man's been putting up numbers such as 37 points, 18 boards, 77 from three. 38 points, 16 boards, four blocks, 18 or 21 from the free throw line. 37, 21, five blocks, five steals, 15 of 16 from the free throw line. 25, 15, and three blocks with seven free throws and five in the made. And then just in the last game, 27, 12, and three. Do you understand? What's the pattern? Consistently getting points, constantly scoring. Being the vocal point and the number one option on offense for this team. And being out and out the best big man on the floor and dominating the interior. 
creating those fast break opportunities, outlet opportunities, and easy scoring opportunities for this squad, as well as turning this team into a good rebounding squad. That's what he needed to do, and he's finally embraced it. And he ain't scoring out the out from the mid-range. This man is getting is attacking the basket, cutting, driving, forcing his way into the paint on a consistent basis, regardless of whether he feels injured or not. He is actively imposing his will, making it so that the defense has to collapse on him, taking hits, taking fouls, keeps on pushing, and keeps on scoring. He's not settling. That's the main issue that Anthony Davis had for the majority of last year. One of the complaints that we kept having for this man coming into this season. You keep settling for perimeter and mid-range buckets. Yes, you can make them, but that's not where you need to be. You can make a shot over anybody because you're that good, but you don't. Ability doesn't lead to production. But you are a dominant physical presence once you commit to putting the ball inside of the paint and using footwork and strength to get a bucket, as well as your God-given agility and dexterity. Those things inside of 10 feet make you unstoppable. But you weren't doing that. But now you are. Now you're trying to play like you got something to prove. And because of that, what's happening? Opening up opportunities for everybody else. Opening up opportunities for Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, even Kendrick Nunn starting to play better. Dennis Schroeder, who's finally back on the floor, is playing phenomenally because of the gravity that you draw. It is great. You are the vocal point for where this team is going to go for the year. Yes, LeBron also, but LeBron is a given. You don't even have to say it because you know what he brings to the table. Again, the brothers just had 31 in their last game. So it's well known, well known. Or excuse me, he's had 31, shoot, a couple times this season. Granted, you know, there's been a couple games where he has faltered. But outside of that, no, he's been LeBron like we know him to be. So we don't worry about him. We know what he is to this team. But it was you, Anthony Davis, that we were all concerned about in terms of when are you going to get back to your days of 2020 and on the Pelicans when you were demanding the ball and looking to get to your spot, not settling for a shot that you can make. Oh, we need shots that you will make because you are impossible to stop once you get on the inside. And the numbers reflect that they have to foul you. They have to hurt you they have to try to hinder you by any means necessary and normally what does that lead to free throws on a consistent basis and you had him and the activity and the fervor that he's been showing on a defensive end has turned this team into a legitimate defensive wall because now not only are our players routinely trying and actively looking to recover on their matchups, play hard, and get up in your grill, but now they have a legitimate and consistent 
rim protector that will be able to erase anything that gets by the perimeter defenders and essentially cause easy turnovers because his presence with his constant activity on the defensive end causes offensive players to make dumb mistakes because now, ooh, I'm in trouble and now i got to make a panic pass or a panic shot. Try to evade Anthony Davis's wide reach. That's what Anthony Davis brings to this team. That's what makes this man so lethal. That's what makes this cat incredibly impactful. And he wasn't bringing it last year, but this year, yes, he is. And this year, this team is looking far different because of it. And the flip side to that. On the perimeter, now we go to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook on this team could work. I kept saying it could work, but it wasn't working because of his stubbornness. Call it what you want, it was stubbornness. And I stand by saying it was stubbornness. That his butt didn't want to actively take heed to what the problem was, which was he on the starting lineup was an abysmal match. Didn't make any sense. It was horrible. Terrible. Now, him on the bench, what happens? Front runner for sixth man of the year. Legitimately making a difference. Do you understand that this man, in their last win, he was like four for 14, but he was plus 12, in terms of player rating, that is because of the fact that once you are on the bench, you're playing against people that are far below your competition. Now, I'm not saying Westbrook cannot play on a starting role, but with this roster, it just was not flowing. But it works when he comes off the bench because he is, regardless of what anybody wants to say, so far better than anybody else that comes off the bench. He is. That when he's playing against them, it's like playing against children relative to his skill set. And because of that, him leading the second unit against a squad that can that is nowhere near the ability or has nowhere near the ability to actively cover him and stop what he's trying to do on the offensive end with his playmaking or driving, because either A, they don't have the athletic ability, or B, they just don't have the IQ. Because again, this is a former MVP. Let's not be stupid. It works. And we see it working. We see the change, the fire, the consistent output, and the defensive ability that he's elevated his own self to, which I've been harping on the entire year that I've been happy for for Russell Westbrook. That's what we're seeing from Westbrook right now. A player that wants you to learn to accept what your stance is on this roster. You are far better for it. Melo did it, was successful. D-Rose did it, still successful. Also, Carmelo Anthony should be on the roster right now. He should be on the roster right now. If the Lakers can't pick him up for another offensive you, uh, player, pick him up because he can't. They, if y'all need three point shooters, 
and y'all don't have a lot of cap space, invest your minimum. Pick them back up. But Russell Westbrook on the second unit is great because it shows once you accept where you are and accept what you need for the team, now you're far better to produce. And now everybody's quiet about Westbrook now. I don't hear all the vitriol and all the noise and all the bad press about Russell Westbrook. I don't. I do not. Now all we're seeing is he made two buzzer beaters in the game. Look at his pass. Look at him making threes. All of a sudden, it's like once he got comfortable and was able to play his role, he's a good player. And show that he can work with this roster just in a different capacity. Now everybody's quiet. And he ain't nearly getting the amount of praise that he should be for finally adapting. I'll give it to him. Thank goodness you finally bit the bullet and did what was better for the team because now you are thriving. Because now... Mind you, I just got on here and was saying that Westbrook may not be on a team come next year if he kept playing like he's been playing. Now, however, I can see him on a roster next year because he's adaptable. He showed that he's adaptable. Not just for not just in terms of team defenses, but in terms of his ability to mitigate how he needs to play. He didn't show that. For the, re- for the majority, not majority, for his entire career. He didn't show that. Did not show that for his entire career. Now it's gained that level of maturity. Now it's gained that level of accepting. Now it's gained that level of understanding when to put his pride aside and do what he needs to do. Because he's showing it. He might have said it in interviews and press conferences, but he's showing it right now. Because he's showing it right now. This is, shoot. That's all you can do. That's all you can do is applaud. All you can do is applaud and say thank you so much for finally doing what you should have done at the start of the year and said, you know what? On this roster, I'm not where I need to be because I can't play like I need to play. Took a long look in the mirror and said, you know what, it's time for me to actively accept change needs to happen. And look where it's got One of the key points to why this team is actively succeeding and why they're nearly at 500, which is something I never thought I would say for the rest of this season, but the way they were playing. Has had a string of games in a row where they are producing and clicking Shoot, they would have won four in a row if it wasn't for one defensive lapse. And they, uh, when that one defensive lapse is a monstrous 17-point loss. Again, you still we still show signs of a Lakers team that is just not there yet. But we are seeing signs for the majority over these last eight games of this is a team that is improving. And improving rapidly. And again, it doesn't hurt that, like I said before, Dennis Schroeder's back in the lineup. That doesn't hurt either. It doesn't. 
a crafty, shifty point guard that can split minutes with Westbrook and can hit the three and can finish at the hoop and can get fouled. And it's a it's a decent defender, not great, but decent defender. So you so if you need him to to stay in front of somebody, he can. And he's a good playmaker. All of it. Phenomenal. Now you got Lonnie Walker Jr. coming into his own. Or excuse me, not Lonnie Walker Jr. Lonnie Walker, the th- the, what is it, the fourth, the third, the fifth, the Greek. Lonnie the Greek because he's uh, his Greek lettering. You see him turning into a good three-point shooter, turning into a legitimate driving threat with his athleticism. Then Austin Reeves becoming the Alex Crusoe of this team because of his every play that he makes is an impact play. Boost the morale of the team exponentially. And he's just at the right place at the right time and surprises you with what he's able to do on the floor. All of that is quite to this team is looking to get better and better and better, hopefully, as the season goes on. Hopefully. Still too early. This team can still collapse in a heartbeat. This team can collapse. Absolutely. This team can fall apart in an instant. Whether it be injury, whether it be AD getting complacent, whether it be Westbrook going back to his horrible play earlier in the season, a bunch of things can happen. But right now, things are on the up and up. And now the question becomes, what should the Lakers do with Westbrook now that they see that they're succeeding? Should they pull the trigger and try to trade him while the stock is on the up and up for Buddy Hield and Miles Turner? Or should they keep him as the leader of the bench unit and ride him out? At first it was a clear-cut answer, but now it's starting to get a little foggy. Mind you, I said a little foggy. The overarching thing is, yes, still trade him if you can, for those assets of Heald and Turner, if it's still available. Because, again, I'm fine with Dennis Schroeder running the bench unit if necessary. Because at worst comes to worst, we put LeBron at point guard again. What does he do? Win a championship. Or, excuse me, put the team in the best situation to win a championship like he did during his MVP campaign and championship winning and finals MVP winning Season in 2020 when he led the league in assists as the PG. So we've seen it done before. He can do it again. Absolutely. It's not a big ask for him because he does it on the daily. But with Hield and Turner, another offensive shooter, another defensive protector and rebounder in Miles Turner, who's consistently always been one of the better shot blockers in the league. Also, he's athletic. Also, he can pull the three. And he's competent on both ends of the floor. Now, you can run him as a backup. You can run him at the five and put play at the four. There's so many things you can do. There's so many things you can do. And it's never bad to have a big rotation of big men. Again, 2020. Everything goes back to 2020. Dwight, McGee, and Davis all on the same team. 
won a championship. If Turner got on the squad, it'd be Turner, AD, Damian Jones, and Thomas Bryant. Having big bodies on the floor is never a bad thing to have. And having big bodies you can rotate out, all of which you do different things, is never bad either. Never bad either. And it gives AD opportunity to rest. So you don't risk injury because of overexertion. If you're coaching staff and worrying about health. So it's still viable to trade Westbrook. Especially right now before things potentially turn for the worse. If you can. But if not. They can make it work. Because now Westbrook's accepted the new terms of engagement. He's accepted the new rules of engagement, excuse me. And because of that, now you're looking at a team that is actually, actually built to prosper. Actually built to become something. Maybe not a championship winning squad, but a squad that can actively be, hey, sneaky. And shoot, if everything comes to fruition, everybody plays at their best, who knows? Maybe this could be a dark horse for a championship. If they keep this incredible defensive intensity on top of building the offensive flow and consistency, we could be looking at a team coming out the West that nobody expected to potentially have some upsets and actually have a long shot but a shot, which is more than we can say for them at the start of the year. This Lakers team is moving in the right direction. I'm so happy to see it. Roster still should have put been put together better, but we're seeing bits and pieces come together to fit, to build blocks. And those blocks are starting to build a legitimate team. What are those blocks? Defensive intensity. Young players actually playing like young good quality players. X-Factors like Austin Reeves coming up clutch. Defense being, again, first out the league in terms of defensive rating. Then you get Anthony Davis playing back like a monster, back like the AD of old, averaging over 30-plus points these past eight games. LeBron playing like LeBron. Everybody getting comfortable. Offense getting more fluid. Westbrook hitting threes and actually able to somewhat space the floor just a little bit because he's actually a viable threat to pull it and, dare I say, make it. On top of him causing the second unit to be a well-oiled machine, a fast well-oiled machine of that. Yeah, we're looking at a team that's, that's slowly but surely building momentum into quiet whispers of maybe this team can turn it around for the better. Which at one point in time was dead silence. Dead silence. Winning two in a row was incredible. Winning three was unheard of for the squad. And then again, going six for eight. And 
being 8 and 12, 20 games into the year, is something that we thought was just preposterous. Absolutely impossible for a team that looked this abysmal. But time will tell. Give it to the All-Star break. We see the same thing keep going, and maybe we see by some miracle roster moves for this Los Angeles Lakers squad. We could be ta- we could be singing from we could be uh excuse me humming quietly that this team is a is a potential dark horse to hey actively saying hey don't sleep on the Lakers. We could if they keep playing like this. If they keep playing like this. Because now one of the biggest things about this team is that they're beating teams that they're supposed to. They're winning games against teams that are on the same level that they are. And they're supposed to win. Detroit. The Spurs. They're keeping up with the Suns, at least to some degree. The Pacers. All these teams, even though the Patriots are having a phenomenal season, if you're a bad squad, they're beating you. At least in these last, in this stint, if you're a bad squad, they're beating you. And if you're a good squad, they're able to keep up with you. Which is, wow. Again, Pacers lost off a buzzer beater. Blew a 17-point lead, impossible. What the world? Portland beat them. It's 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 great that we're finally seeing this team actively come into its own and look to say, hey, not only are we here, but we are a team that can actively thrive if we play to perfection. That's a lot to ask. It's so much to ask. But nonetheless, it's possible. It's possible. Because they believe. And they're starting to make believers out of the rest of the league. That Hey, wait a minute. It's early on, but everybody's instead of just glossing over the Lakers are quietly glancing at them, which is something they never had happen to them this whole season. Again, the first win was like they won the NBA championship. Because it was just, I can't believe it happened. About time. Now, seems like they righted the ship. Righted the ship. Gotten things back afloat. If this keeps happening, it's going to be great. It's going to be great for this team. But moving on for the next thing, which I got to talk about, and I wish I didn't. Actually, yes, I do. I wish I do. I wish I did have to talk about it because this is something that needs to be Actively talked about. Jerry Jones has a has a picture of him from 1957 blocking the way for black students to go into a segregated school in their attempt to desegregate a school at North Little Rock High. Him standing there amongst the crowd of hecklers who were blocking the path of it was two, three, multiple black students. Because they were trying to desegregate the school. Gary Jones comes out for 
to paraphrase, essentially says, everybody was curious, standing around. We were just trying to see what was actually going on. And now he's in hot water because, again, people are looking for answers as to what is this all about. Now let's backtrack with Jerry Jones real quick. This is the same man who is not did not denounce racism when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling. Also spoke out against a lot of stuff Colin Kaepernick was saying. Somebody brought up a good point on ESPN. Has not hired a black coach yet. Hasn't interviewed a black coach yet, to my knowledge anyway. And this is really shady stuff. So this shouldn't surprise you. What should surprise you is the lack of answer. See, this is the problem that a lot of people are having with Jerry Jones. It's the fact that with all those other situations, you were active, vocal, and wanting to say something. Now, however, you're shutting up about it. And Jay Williams brought up a good point when he talked about this. He said that you he said that you were trying to be curious and you were trying just to see what was going on. Poke your head through the crowd. Now it looks like that's exactly what you're doing. When it comes to talking about racism. Poke your head through the crowd and back back out. Jerry Jones, what the world? Brother. How is it that you can't just simply say, I'm against racism? You have to understand that how we should look at people. We, and this is not just sports, but beyond. People can change. Absolutely. People mess up early in life. Yes, absolutely. Because of that understanding, everybody gets the opportunity for redemption. Absolutely. The problem is when you don't take advantage of that redemption by actually trying to redeem yourself, and you make and you do things to get the perception that you're backtracking. What else are we supposed to say? The problem is with Jerry Jones and this old situation. Is the fact that you just simply have to explain yourself. That's it. That's it. We know what the climate was, and we know everybody hated black folks back then. Many people still do now, but it was a lot more apparent back then. A lot more in your face. A lot more accepted. So because of that, you being in that crowd, have you, you know exactly what that brings up. You know the questions that that brings. You know the inferring that that would bring people to have. All you have to do is simply say, hey, either two things. Either A, genuinely I was there in support of the students. I just happened to be in the background. Or I was there 
I admit I was against the students going into the school. I apologize. I was wrong. I was horrible. That's not how I feel anymore. I denounce racism. Now again, there's so many other things that need to happen on top of that, but at the same token, at minimum, simply that's what we ask for. But instead, but you hiding, not necessarily going out and saying anything, is makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And the biggest thing is where the biggest problem with this whole situation is not just Jerry Jones's lack of answering and trying to justify, oh, this was the climate around. We were just trying to see what was going on. Since you're not saying he was against, not fervently saying he was against them in terms of the racist people in the crowd and he was trying to be there in support. Not saying that. But it's the fact that and LeBron brought this up in a press conference after their win against the Trailblazers. Why is it that the media isn't blowing this man up? Because they should. You mean to tell me that one of the, one of the, not one of, the most well-known owner in the NFL, one of the most well-known owners and businessmen in all of America was pictured in the dec- in protest of a desegregating group of young black men going to a school. And as in standing in the crowd that was fervently against the black kids going in and desegregating the school. This is just now coming out. You were one of the main catalysts, seemingly, based on the photo, being in there. And nobody is trying to kill him like they killed Kyrie Irving, like they killed Colin Kaepernick, like they killed a bunch of other black athletes and personnel and coaches for doing things nowhere near this egregious. So we're near. In their past. Again, can he change? Absolutely. Has he changed? I don't know. I don't know him. I assume he has, at least to some degree, based on his answer, yeah, I'm starting to ask some questions, but this should be something that should be on Every single television set talked on every news station. One of the main driving forces of 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 contention for every debate show. Where is Jerry Jones' comeuppance for doing something so egregious and seemingly standing in the way of legitimate progress for America when he was younger in school? This is what this man should be grilled and questioned. Because he hasn't even given a straight answer himself. What has this man said? Again, he's justified the climate of the time, which I understand. 
We were all curious. We weren't asking about we. We were asking about you. What were you doing there? What were your intentions to be there? Were you with or against the desegregating of schools when that picture was taken at 14, 15, wherever old you were in 1957? And if you were, have you changed? If so, what have you done to show that you've changed? These questions should be asked. This man should be grilled. He should not get anything just off the hook for him. Not at all. This cat deserves everybody jumping on him. Because something like this is horrible. And the answers that he's given and the stuff he's done leading up to this controversy that we can call it. All should have people questioning, well, hold on, wait a minute. Now, maybe, maybe there's something more to this picture and not in a good way. Maybe he wasn't just there, just observing. But we need some concrete answers, not know, oh, we were all young, wild, and free, just trying to see what all the commotion was about. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Nobody's above that. Especially not somebody that, again, did what happened to Kaepernick or helped bolster what happened to Colin Kaepernick. And his slew of problematic activity, people should be grilling this man every which way. Did you forget this brother also said, bring me the circus when it comes to media drama. He wants it. He loves it. He needs it. That's how he's approached business. That's how he's kept the Cowboys in relevancy, even though they haven't accomplished anything to keep them relevant. This season, they're having a good season. But that aside, this should not be overlooked. We need answers. Why were you there? Not just because, oh, I had school. No. Why were you in that crowd? Were you in support? What was your feelings on segregation and black people at that point in time? Do you still feel these same feelings now? And if not, what have you done to show it? And if so, then why are you owning an NFL team? These types of things need to be asked because we there's no reason. No good reason that Jerry Jones should be just off the hook and to be able to walk through life without ever being being questioned, pressed, grilled, or anything like that. When so when again, other people, and specifically black people, have done minor inconveniences in the professional sports world and have gotten absolutely taken to the nines for it. Legitimately. LeBron, stuff he said got blown out of proportion. On a consistent basis. On a consistent basis. One comment from from a black coach or black player skews their entire perception from people for about a week to a month. Saying, oh, I never liked that guy. Oh, yeah, he's da-da-da-da-da, this, that, or the third. 
Oh, he's horrible. Oh, he's angry. Oh, he's what type of teammate is he? What type of owner is he? Does he not care? All these things happen. But when Jerry Jones gets something put out about him about this, nearly dead silence. It's almost like you pulling teeth to get somebody to question Jerry Jones as to what the world is this. Why was he there? We need answers to this. We need your intentions. We need how you feel now. And why you were there in the first place. People say don't hold people's past against them. I completely understand that. In the same vein, answers still need to be at or answers still need to be answered about your reasoning so we can make sure that you are not still in that same mindset of the past that we shouldn't hold you accountable for. Because if we just let him off the hook and it turns out that he's actually still thinking that way, well, then what have we done? Let a racist keep on moving, even though the NFL says they want to be all-inclusive. Let a racist keep on living in, in, in the way that they're living. Excuse me, not, not killing them. Wait a minute now. I'm not saying killing them. Letting a racist person consistently or, or continually live the lifestyle that they have when... He should be chastised and punished if he's still holding the views that are counter to what the NFL says that they want to have as their brand. Publicly. We know they're messed up privately, but publicly, you don't do that. You don't mess up the shield. You know that. You know that. You know that. I don't care how high on the pedestal you are. You don't mess up the shield. Look at Dan Snyder. But it's getting so much press. They let it slide, let it slide, let it slide. But the second they said, oh, I got dirt against the shield, gone. Gone. Don't mess with the shield and their reputation. Lord knows, don't do that. And that's how it should be approached with Jerry Jones. Jones, are you messing up the shield, sir? Are you messing up the shield? Because if so, we have a problem. And that's what it takes to get a clean answer. Hey. We need some way to get a legitimate, concrete understanding of how Jerry Jones' mentality is from back then to now. And if he's still feeling that same way now and why he was there in the first place, not just, oh, I was curious. No, that's not good enough. We know that's not good enough because, again, he still never denounced racism. So was he there because he was curious as to, oh, my people are doing what I believe? Or was he was he there curious but disappointed as to I can't believe this is happening? Was he there curious? And then when he got there, he was supportive of the black folks. Was he trying to help them get into the school? Was he doing anything beneficial? Did he do anything afterwards to go against the mentality that schools should still be segregated and against the mentality of racism at the time? Or was he just silent? Because if he's silent, was that complacent? Complacent. All these things and more need to be asked. 
and grilled upon on Jerry Jones. Because if not, that's a disservice to the media for how they do everybody else. We need answers and we need them now. I want answers, not demand them now. You deserve answers and you deserve them now. Not no three weeks after this whole thing blows over. Or potentially never at all. The simplest thing to do is, I would just love to hear him say he just announces racism once. That's it. Even if I don't get an answer. I'd at least say, okay, hey, whatever he was, at least in his words, he says that he's not like that no more. But right now, hey, I don't care how many black friends he's got around him, how many black pundits he has that are close to him, whatever the case may be, it don't matter to me. Right now, it's up in the air and it's in question. And, and I don't need to interpret things at this point in time. I need to be able to concretely hear these things. Because concrete statements are the best way to quell anything that somebody has in terms of questioning about you. Make it plain. You do that, and you might alleviate all this. You don't, we're just going to keep asking more questions. But I need to understand where you are and where you lie. I need to understand where you are and where you lie. Because this cannot be. This can't be. This can't be. We can't be sitting and just accepting, eh, he did it in the past, oh well. When again, what has he shown to show that he isn't still of that same mindset? So we need to understand why were you there? And there's a reason why people keep those types of pictures under wraps. And to a degree why people want to get over or try to overgloss racism out of schools, out of books, out of all this stuff. Because the fact that a lot of people's grandparents back in the day were in those very pictures. Many of them don't talk about it. And you wonder why. Go ask your, your grandparents if you ever can. Hey, are there any unflattering pictures of you that you may not want to make to the public? You were alive during the civil rights riots, right? Where were you? Did you ever go to a protest? Were you ever against the protest? Some of your parents might be straight up and answer. Some of them might go a little quiet, might try to change the subject. And there's a reason why. Because in that history, they're in it. Not just because they were living in it, because they were actively a part of it. Not, and again, not just because they were living amongst the time, because they were actively at the place doing the thing, the bad thing, the very bad thing of upholding racism. As well as a, not just racism, but a bunch of other horrible mentalities. You'd be surprised if you go ask. Guarantee you, they'll start. You'll, you'll get some people stop sending or answering your your questions through text, ignoring your phone calls. Watch.
We need answers from Jerry Jones, and we should demand them now. Absolutely now. There's no need for it to be this quiet on his side. No need for it to be this vague on his side. Justifying and saying, oh, we all were there just to see what was going on. Curiosity just got in control of us. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Because curiosity is when you're just walking by. You may go see and then leave. Seems like you were standing there. In the mist. And a couple of those other people around you in that picture weren't looking so, how should we say, friendly. So we need some answers. And we need them now. Because if not, we're going to do the same thing that everybody else does to all the other athletes, specifically black athletes and pundits, whenever something comes out about them. We're going to infer. And Lord knows there's a lot of people that don't like Jerry Jones. So that's going to be worse for him if he doesn't just come up playing and say why he was there and specifically whether he's having those same issues now, and specifically denounce racism at bare minimum because this came out. Because he ain't done it in the past. Ain't done it in the past. You better start talking and doing it now. Because it's going to be bad for him if you don't. But this has been... This has been another episode of The World Check. Well, I've been your host, John The World Check. And thank you so much for listening to me today. Oh, I'm so glad to be back with you again. Again, we're available on Apple Podcasts and all, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all major podcasting platforms. Please leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and opinions, subscribe to the channel. Again, likes help this video so much, help the channel so much. And share the channel with everybody that you know. Please share the channel with everybody that you know so you can build up this empire. Put out this conglomerate together. Oh, yes. We're going to make it big, make it grand. We're going to make it better for you, the viewer. Oh, yes. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been The Watch Report. I've been your Jean-Luc Peace and love. We out of here. <laughs>